go, here we go, here we go, here we go again. Episode 110, welcome in everybody. Let's just say it, there are some things kids don't need to see. There's a bunch of things. Kids just don't need to be around. They don't need to see it. They shouldn't see it. They better not see it. Think about your own life. You remember as a kid when you were seeing some things or hearing some things and you thought to yourself, I shouldn't be hearing this. I'm a kid. I shouldn't be seeing this. I'm a kid. This is going to fuck with me. This is going to rewire my brain. There are those moments where we get blindsided in life by something so new, something so raw, Maybe something so heavy that it'll just change us. I mean, you think about seeing a horror movie, like a really scary horror movie, before you're at the right age for a horror movie. That'll mess your brain up for a little while. I remember I was like eight or nine years old, and my friend Matt had a VHS of A Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger. And I said, yeah, pop it in. I acted all cool. After school, yeah, I'm good. Have I seen Freddy? Yeah, I've seen Freddy. Just lying. I mean, I've heard of Freddy, right? But then we sat there in his dimly lit living room. Parents gone. Just watching A Nightmare on Elm Street. Are you kidding me? I couldn't handle that. We weren't supposed to be watching that. Slept on my parents' floor for probably a month. I don't even think they knew. I would just sneak in. So scared. Picturing what? Picturing what? Picturing Freddy at my window, of course. This is the same friend, Matt, who had a Two Live Crew tape, and we would huddle around his boombox and listen to Two Live Crew. And those lyrics were so explicit, so obscene, so vulgar, so great. We should not have been listening to that. Kids should not be exposed to Two Live Crew when you're nine years old, talking about all those deviant sexual acts. I mean, we loved it. We learned it. We recited it. We memorized it. We danced to it. We bobbed our heads to it. But we shouldn't have. You don't want little kids, let me think, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 15 is when I'll cap it. After that, you know, kids could start finding out the ugliness of the world on their own. But you know that 5 to 15 age, parents got to keep a watchful eye of what kids are being exposed to. At age 10, I was already having easy access to Playboy magazine. 10, pretty young. I liked it. Not for the articles. Believe it or not loved Playboy, should not have had such easy access to Playboy magazine, Freddy Krueger, or Two Life Crew. But what's worse than any of that, a nudie magazine, a horror movie, some straight sexual rap, what's worse than any of that? Did you see any of the debate? Of course a lot of you did. That debate was such a hot, steaming pile of shit that I thought to myself, I really hope kids are not watching this. I thought to myself, I hope my students, and I teach government right now, so I was talking about it. Debates tonight at 6 p.m. if you want to check in. That's all I said. I didn't assign it, like watch tonight's debate, but towards the end of class, I just said to my seniors, and tonight is the first presidential debate with Trump and Biden. And some of them nodded, and others were like, who cares? And then three minutes into it, I regretted even bringing it up with students. They shouldn't watch that. I shouldn't watch it. And America shouldn't watch it. It was that bad. And I'm not going to get into it. You know what it was. I don't need to explain how ugly and maddening the whole thing was. Either you saw it or you heard about it. But I do know I'm done. After 20 minutes, I mean, I was done. Done. I gave it 20. 
And then I had an actual headache forming, just a dome splitter, an absolute dome splitter. And I felt my blood boiling. I was just getting uncomfortable in my own skin watching this. I was getting sad, getting angry. My wife's having a similar visceral reaction. Like, what what are we putting ourselves through right now? These are two guys in suits at podiums, and it's hitting me harder than anything else in the world. What if an alien came down to Earth and saw that shit? A couple of old fellas calling each other names. Name-calling, bullying, intimidating. I can't get into it too much. That's what they tell public school teachers. Nobody wants to hear your political opinions, especially in the classroom. I get that. I actually do get that. Because as a parent, if my kid is in a public school classroom and the teacher's just preaching right side or left side, left side or right side, conservative, liberal, I guess I wouldn't want that. So that's why I tiptoe around this. I don't really give such staunch political views on this podcast, and I don't even think that's the point of it. But when it's just so pervasive in society and just right in front of our eyes, we're just looking into this vortex of doom. You can't avoid the feelings that come along with it. I mean, I could turn off the TV, but still I'm stuck with a headache and a sick feeling in my stomach. Like, what the fuck has happened? And we're all living this. That would be my one wish. Not that the debate didn't happen. I understand the dynamic was in place. It was kind of expected how it unfolded that's what a lot of people thought would transpire but i wish just no one would tune into that shit that's my wish that we could all avoid giving in to the impulse of yeah i should probably turn on this channel nope wouldn't that be great if ratings were zero wouldn't that be great there are probably so many people like me that just turned it off willpower free will i don't have to sit on my couch and suffer anymore but forget about me i'm 39 What about kids? You can't allow a 12, 13, 14 year old to see that. I mean, I guess you can. I saw Freddy Krueger listen to some two live crew and I love the Playboy magazines, but I shouldn't have. Yet, I don't think it ruined me forever. If you watch 10 minutes of that debate, that'll ruin you forever. Okay, that's extreme, but it'll ruin you for a little while. I'm still ruined. I'm feeling ruined. I'm not watching anymore. There's two more debates. I'm not watching another fucking second. Goodbye. Turned it off. Immediately looked at my wife and said, we need to change the subject because we could just harp on this. Everybody could harp on this. We need to vent. We need to complain. We need to debrief. No, 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 no. We just need a subject change. So she reminded me that her mom shared with her some of the papers she wrote about her grandparents when she was a little girl in fifth grade. My wife had this interview she did with her grandpa Shmuel from fifth grade and grandpa Shmuel is a Holocaust survivor had to flee Hungary to get away from the anti-Semitism. was able to get enough money from his employer who couldn't employ him anymore because he was Jewish and there were quotas on how many Jews can work in certain factories. So his employer could not employ him anymore, an 18 year old Jewish kid. So he said, but I'll help you get the money for a ticket out of here, a ticket to Palestine. And my wife's interview with her grandpa is what we focused on. And I just thought to myself, I got immediate perspective. Here I was caught up with a couple of presidential candidates, or let's be honest, here I was caught up with a presidential candidate and just bewildered by it all, how we got to this point, how we got to this point. And then I'm listening to my wife read the transcript of her interview with Grandpa Shmuel, and it changed everything for me. Because you realize he still smiled in photos. He was still a happy man, at least in the stories I hear. He had a great laugh, loved being a father. 
of being a grandfather to my wife and her siblings. And as I'm hearing this, I was able to zoom out a little bit and realize, okay, what we're watching right now can consume us in the moment. But then when you hear about real strife that people throughout history and people were related to, your family too, all of your families, anybody listening right now, you know there are survivors in your family. If you trace back your lineage far enough, you'll find somebody that had to escape or somebody that needed to go elsewhere for a brand new start. Trace back your heritage far enough, you'll probably find a branch of your family tree where you realize, oh yeah, they had to get out. At that point, they wanted to get out. They had to fight for their rights. They had to fight for their identity. And those are the stories we have to tell because it makes you feel like a miracle that you survived something and it makes you realize we got to focus on the blessing of just being here. I mean, just being here. Sure, I'm in a bad mood now. I just watched Trump and Biden. I'm in a bad mood. But Grandpa Shmuel had to get on a ship for two months to get away from Nazi persecution. And he arrives in this foreign land, jumps off the boat, literally jumps off the boat, swims to shore, reaches Palestine. And that's where he meets his wife to have a baby eventually, who's going to be my father-in-law and the father to my wife. And I'm just going, I'm connected to all this. How cool. We should have different holidays. Every family should have a day where they just start talking about deceased relatives. Just one day, schedule it. It keeps them alive. We're all sad about certain dead relatives, aren't we? All of us are sad about certain dead relatives. And it pops up here and there. But when you start to tell their stories in a way where you bring them to life, and the way my wife wrote about her grandpa in fifth grade, and even my wife's sister, Shira, wrote about him as well. I was reading all these papers. I was like, these are artifacts. These documents are timeless. And a lot of families have that type of stuff just laying in a box. Just laying in a box. Those are real holidays to just talk about the dead. People that brought you to where you are. The miracles. The ancestry where you go. And that's why I'm here today. Huh. Oh, and I have his personality, or I have her laugh, or I have his hair, or I have her sense of style. Whatever it is, you start to learn more about your family history. It's just comforting. It feels good. Turned my mood around entirely. And I'm going to be dead one day. Goodbye. It'll happen. We can fear it or just accept it, but I'll be dead one day. And maybe I'll have a granddaughter who's watching an ugly presidential debate on TV and have to turn it off and say, what was Grandpa Josh all about? Let's listen to one of these weird episodes of Here We Go. Or let's read something that he wrote back in the day. So leave a legacy. Hopefully you're connected to enough people that are going to carry it on. And this feels like a subject change, which it is. Which it is. But what I'm experiencing right now, this is probably about as upset as I could be with the direction of our country. It is. I don't have that many examples throughout my life as an American living in the Bay Area being so upset. And then when I really break it down and compare it to other destructive times throughout history, I'm able to say, eh, it ain't that bad. I'm still focused on what needs to happen. But the moments where we could go, eh, yeah, not that bad. We get consumed by anger. Happens to all of us. And then when we could detach and disarm it and we could go, oh, you know, it's not that bad. That's a beautiful moment. So the it's not that bad recipe there it is. Start talking about one of your dead relatives that you miss. And it could be sad or it could put a smile on your face and bring him to life in that moment. As Paulo Coelho said, Paulo Coelho, am I getting that right? The writer, the Brazilian author, Paulo Coelho. I feel like some of his books are on our shelves. 
But of all the quotes I've ever read about death, I like his the best. He said, never, we never ever lose our loved ones. They accompany us. They don't disappear from our lives. We are merely in different rooms. I like that. I don't even need to further explain that. I just like it. They don't disappear from our lives. Just merely in different rooms. And something else made me happy. Something else entirely different made me happy recently. And I like bringing this stuff up because I realize the default for the brain sometimes is to just go back and focus on the negatives. But we have a next door neighbor by the name of Vince. Do you know Vince? You know this guy? You know this guy? When we were looking at the house, yeah, just going to an open house, not even certain we wanted to be here, you know, just going to a bunch of open houses, we parked and he saw us walk out of our car and he said to me from his garage, hey, Gene. I said, hey, how are you? Didn't want to correct him. I look like Gene. He thought I was Gene. I'm good. He said, haven't seen you around here in a while. And I said, you got that right. All right. Have a good one. I didn't know that would become my lifelong neighbor, but Vince now knows I'm Josh and Vince is actually one of a kind. You cannot say that about everybody. We all like to think we're one of a kind, but Vince actually is one of a kind. You'll never meet another Vince. I think he's about what? 72, 73 years old, trying to paint the picture. Everything he wears seems like it was just a giveaway at a concert or a ball game. Nothing matches denim shorts, Tiva sandals. And a shirt that says Ace Hardware Grand Opening. You could just tell it was a giveaway. Silver mustache, slicked back hair. How could I describe this guy? Maybe about six foot two. And we've gotten to know him quickly, and we've gotten to know him on a deep level because Vince is an open book. Within a couple of weeks knowing him, he let us know he's sober, doesn't drink anymore, spent many a nights on a bar stool, but no more. But no more. He's a retired plumber and the guy can't sit down. At least that's how it was when we first moved in. He couldn't sit down. Always blowing leaves, watering plants, fixing something. We had 40 feet of bamboo in our driveway. The fire department said you got to get rid of it. Guess what he did with a rusty saw? This guy's in his 70s. Every day he was hacking at the bamboo. He loved it. His favorite project. Could have hired somebody to do it in one hour. Took him about, I don't know, eight months. But still, Vince was able to hack at the bamboo with his old rusty saw for about eight months, and it made him happy because the guy can't sit down. Can't sit down. Loved going to thrift stores and bringing us back California pottery. He acted like we should know California pottery. He would always drop these names of certain ceramics legends. And I'd go, oh, okay, is that right? I would just nod a lot. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, yes, yes. And he'd show me what to look for on a ceramic plate, California pottery from an ancient generation. Okay. Also liked collecting records at thrift stores. Had more vinyls than you need. One day he just dragged 300 vinyls onto our front lawn. Left them there. I didn't know what to do. Was this a gift? Was this homework? Do I need to listen? Do we have a record player? What do I do? I dragged them into my storage and now it's still there. 300 records. I don't know. It took me an hour to drag them in the house. And then I looked at my wife and said, I don't know where we go from here. Do I listen to these now? And just tell Vince, hey, thank you. I enjoyed all of it. But from California Pottery... All these gifts, thrift store gifts are the best gifts because they're one of a kind like Vince just made me happy that that's our neighbor. We get a neighbor like that. He kept our streets so clean. It was like Singapore, like you wouldn't see gum or spit or leaves, anything. If someone was washing their car and the stream of water went by Vince's house, he would lose his fucking mind. Scream at someone. How dare you? We keep this street clean. So 
Clearly, I follow his lead. We keep it clean around here. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We like pottery around here. Yes, we do. We exchange vinyls once a week. Yes, we do. Okay, I got it. Retired plumber. Terrific. Well, about six months ago, I wake up for a morning dog walk, and there's an ambulance in front of the house. He had a stroke. He had to go to the ER, spend about a full week there, and he comes home and is not the same. Just indoors. A guy you expected to see outside of his house every single time we were outside of our house. He was outside of his house. So that's why we got to know him so quickly, so deeply. But all of a sudden, no more Vince. No more. Just always sleeping, laying low. We brought him food a couple of times. His wife or girlfriend, Kathy, is the sweetest. It's the type of neighbor you dream of, the sweetest thing. And now she takes care of Vince. You see him occasionally, but it's not the same. It's just not the same. That zest isn't there anymore. And it is sad. However, and I'm tiptoeing closer to what made me smile. The neighbor on the other side of us, they were getting a new driveway. And as they're doing this, they realize that they have some pipe damage, some pipe issues. I don't know how to explain this. I don't know any plumbing terminology. But they went to Vince. And even in his current condition, even this new version of Vince that's much slower, not as active, he can't drive anymore. He used to love driving his blue truck. But they asked him, what do we do with these pipes? These broken pipes below our driveway as we replace it. And for two days, I mean, two full days, he was just at their house in their driveway with every tool he had, you know, raking, mopping, chopping, dicing, splintering. I'm going to use so many words that don't apply. Uh, crushing, breaking, drilling, hammering, wrenching, screwing. He did everything to the pipes, everything to the driveway. I don't even know if he helped. That part of the story, I don't know. But when I went out to see him, just say, hey, Vince, good to see you. you know, great to see you outside. He said, I'm feeling good. I'm out of retirement. He actually said that like Kramer at the bagel shop. Out of retirement. And he was smiling. Now, I haven't seen him since, but for two days to see this retired plumber who's now sober and used to be the mayor of our street in the kind of condition he's been in to get up and jump out of retirement to help a neighbor with pipes. I mean, this was his Super Bowl. And it hit me. It just hit me. I don't know why. But it was something beautiful. And look, he might have destroyed their fucking driveway. He might have brought a 1982 approach to an issue that's 2020, if you know what I mean. No, I, I don't know what that means. But even after his stroke and in his new condition, I wish him the best. We, we worry about the guy because without the social aspects of his life and that blue truck going to the thrift stores, I don't know if he's finding enough sources of joy. I don't know if he's feeling miserable and depressed every day. I feel like a bad neighbor. I should check in more. I really should. Maybe that'll be one of my goals starting now. But it was just that little glimmer, that little glimmer of happiness, that spark. That spark was back in old Vince's eye. And I can't wait to return those vinyls. He also has the world's biggest golf ball collection because he just walks along golf courses to find lost balls. I think the one day he was able to get out, like feeling good enough, to go out, it was like the worst air quality that these wildfires have ever provided us here in California. And that's the day he just went out to McInnes. Yeah, I'll play nine. Someone said, but Vince, it's smoky. Oh, really? Well, who gives a shit? I'm able to stand up today. I'll play through a fire, let alone smoke. Which reminds me, I should probably play more golf. That should also be my therapy. When I lived in San Diego, I think I played golf at least once a month. Now... I play maybe once every two years, which means I'm not a golfer at all. And you're saying, next subject, 
please. And I'm saying, okay, you don't want to talk golf? And some of you are like, right, I guess we'll talk golf. Talk a little golf. I need new clubs. I'm just saying that right now. Because when I have a shitty round, I get to blame my clubs. What if I had great clubs? Then I don't have that excuse, so I should keep the shitty clubs. Because a shitty round is always going to give me a great excuse. All right, on the topic of sports. And now a word about Major League Baseball. All right, I fell out of love with baseball. I don't know why. I don't know when. Maybe I do know why. But that was a previous episode. If you listen to this, I probably just repeat myself so much. Or maybe I don't. I truly don't know. I don't know where I store any of this in my brain. So after every episode, I just discard. I just discard that. So if it sounds repetitive, sorry. But baseball, loved as a kid. Now, I don't really watch much. However, playoff baseball during a pandemic has captured me. I'm into it. And I realized, and this might be so obvious to some people, but there's a box right there, the strike zone, right there on my TV. There's a box. So every single pitch, you could tell if it's a ball or a strike. Every single pitch. I know this has probably been going on for years, but I realized we still send a guy behind the dish to umpire the game? Who's this fool? Who is this guy who's always being proven wrong at work? That's what he does for a living. Before the box, before we had all this technology to show us exactly what a strike is on every pitch, we the viewer, the broadcasters, we know what a strike is. Yeah, there's a pitch a few inches outside of that box. In that moment on national TV, this guy is immediately proven wrong. What other job would be like that? I mean, I get it. Baseball has some gamesmanship. Purists love the tradition. But if you're going to put the box on the screen and still have a guy back there, it's like a weird carnival game. You're still going to have a guy back there to guess. I don't know. Was that a ball? I guess that one was a strike. It's like, we don't need you. We actually have the answer. And the worst was a check swing. They still point to the first base ump. And he's guessing whether the batter broke the wrists and swung across the plate or not. It's always a guess. They're so serious with their convictions of, yep, safe. Or, nope, swung. You don't know. You don't have the angle. We all have the camera now above home plate. It's been there for years. And that actually tells us. So the viewer and the broadcaster gets to see the actual truth. And then we look at these guys in their black polo shirts, all these very serious guys in their sunglasses and black polo shirts, just being proven wrong throughout a nine-inning game. For two and a half hours, this is their job. I know old school baseball umps. It's a different job altogether. And I guess some of them get grandfathered in. But if you're thinking that's a job for me, I'd love to be a baseball ump in 2020. I can't wait. I'd love to be a major league baseball ump You just look like a fool out there. You look so unnecessary. Obsolete. We don't need you. We're watching all of this with the type of graphics technology on our screen that's letting us know safe or out, ball or strike, check swing or not. We know. We know. So now we just can watch you fumble around, toil around the field, get yelled at. I couldn't imagine going to my job where there was a fact checker on everything at all times. Like it doesn't go away. The fact checker doesn't go away. It's constant. And my job is to keep trying to get facts. That's my job. I keep trying to get facts. Like the umps are trying. They're actually trying to see. Is that a ball or a strike? Uh, Yeah, ball. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's like a very weird county fair game that these guys have signed up for. And then uh, because they're wrong so often, they just get upset. These are all surly, bitter guys. Most of them just getting yelled at or yelling at others. Very touchy. I love how touchy they are, too. Like, everybody sees that they're in the wrong. Everybody could see it. 
and then they get touchy. That's not a great quality to be an ump. I'm very touchy. Well, he clearly swung the bat across the plate and you said, nope, check swing. And we all saw that, but now you're touchy about it. And that's why baseball still has some wonderful dust-ups. But the games are good. I realized maybe I don't need the crowd. Maybe I don't. The games are good. Playoff baseball is good right now. I didn't think this would happen during the pandemic. Got NFL Sunday, Monday, Thursday. It's been great. Makes me want to gamble so badly, but I don't. I don't really have a rooting interest in any game. I just want it to be a good game. Baseball I'm into. NBA Finals going on. LeBron versus his old team, the Heat. Are you kidding me? Sports thriving right now. I know every other article is who caught COVID. I get that, but it's almost expected. I don't even get rattled by it anymore. I mean, these guys are all taking their COVID tests, hunkering down, for the most part, staying sheltered in a quarantine. So I bet they feel kind of safe for the most part. I don't know how they feel. But for me, the viewer, I'm thankful. At first, I thought it was such a shitty idea to send all of these athletes back. But now I'm like, it works. It works. I guess it's a different topic for every job. If you're not back at your job yet, there's probably a ton of factors in place. And I will say this. Most people want to go back. They just want to go back safely. That doesn't need to be explained. But this idea that some people are just lazy right now. Bullshit. People want to go back. Just don't want to start spreading the damn thing. I'm stunned, though, at how so many people are getting used to these Zoom classes. I'm stunned. At first, I thought it was just all stress, all panic attack, which it is for a lot of people still, but I can see some people getting used to it. I can see some of these students excelling. Some of these students are actually doing really well, and they admit that, that this actually works for them better. I saw a kid on my Zoom, just no shirt, lying in bed. I mean, I could see his shoulders. No shirt, just lying in bed. He was in a high school class. How comfortable was he? That was probably his learning style, and he's one of my best students. I was struggling. I was like, do I say something? This kid's just shirtless in bed right now. I mean, just has the Chromebook on his chest. Tuning into Rosenberg's world history class. He's such a good student. He's so insightful. He's engaged. He has all the qualities you would want in a student, except doesn't love the shirt. Hey, look at me. I can't see you on campus, so I got to get to it. I got to get straight to what I'm showing off. And I haven't said anything yet. I haven't said anything. But would he struggle if we shoved him back into a desk? And we set his alarm clock a little earlier. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of these kids can sleep in a little more. They have less. I do believe they have less classwork, homework on their plate because they've reduced the schedule, at least the district I'm in. They're only taking four classes alternating each day. So right now, I know it's not good. I'm not trying to make that point. But some of us are adapting, saying if this is what it is right now, let's make the best of it. And it is much Less shitty than I thought it would be. Here it is, October. We're in October now. So it's not ideal. Yeah, I can't wait to go back. I know all the talking points. But in a sense, we could focus on all the kids who are struggling with their mental health, and I feel for them. But I think it's time to start talking about some of the kids that are killing it right now, just doing real well. I'm going to bring this up. I'm just going to. As a foodie, I feel like I should talk about food way more often because it's on my mind always food is on my mind always i'll eat breakfast and think of lunch and as i'm eating lunch i will start designing dinner what does dinner look like and if i know it's restaurant night which is probably two nights a week holy shit just googling menus just drooling as i read yelp reviews of oh you can't miss their truffle fries oh don't forget about their fried chicken burger you're gonna love the baked octopus all right so whatever it is i get excited And 
I've heard so many recommendations too. People know I like food, so they tell me about things. Oh, have you been here? Have you been there? Have you been here? Have you been there? And for years, I've heard Shake Shack. I know it's not fine dining. It's not even a restaurant, really. But it's not fast food. Shake Shack has a reputation. And if it's a tier below, like restaurant quality burgers, a tier below, but a tier above McDonald's and Burger King, they're like these other restaurants. You know, the Five Guys types, the In-N-Out, the Izzy's Burger Spa. What, what, what tier is this of burgers? You wouldn't quite say it's fast food. It has a different reputation, but it's not fine dining either. It's in that tier. And Shake Shack seems to be a place people have recommended for years. Oh, you got to try Shake Shack. And they always have this incredibly long line, just a bunch of people hanging outside like they're getting concert tickets. So the reputation is there. But I must say this, before I describe what happened, I'll just get right to it. It was the worst fucking meal I've ever had in my life to the point where I thought it might be a joke. Like I honestly thought some of their employees might do this once a week where they pick some schlub like me and go, let's totally mess with him. I mean, let's serve him something so far off the menu of what we serve everybody else that he'll have a skewed view of what we're really doing at the shack. And it was a terrible night for some reason, just arguments, a day of not feeling good feeling misrepresented, feeling irritable, you know, just like the worst mood you could be in. Uh, haven't had many of those, but it was about a week ago. And I just said, you know something? Maybe we go to Shake Shack tonight. I don't know. Is that putting my foot down when it's contentious in the house? You know something? Okay, everybody just be quiet. I think Shake Shack is the answer. Get in my car. On our way to Shake Shack, my wife starts ordering. You could order online. Great. So by the time you get there, maybe you pick up the food and then you go eat in a park. Oh, it sounds so nice. Cheeseburgers, chicken bites and fries and shakes. Hell yes. We get there and it says the food's supposed to be ready in about 10 minutes. It took about 40. Okay, so we're just hanging out. Everybody with their masks looking miserable. Masks looking miserable. Masks looking miserable. People are sweating. Smoke is in the air. The Shake Shack employees look flustered, frazzled, stressed. Who's the opposite of an advertisement for a fun burger scene this just looked like depression on display all these employees just running around getting yelled at because they're taking way too long with everybody tom got an order for tom tom walks up and goes what the fuck is this no no is there ketchup in the bag is there, is there ketchup in the bag just tom's upset he's probably been there for three hours and then some other young employee making minimum wage karen is karen karen here and Karen comes up, looks in the bag, and she starts yelling at them, getting upset, just murmuring under her mask. Fine, that, that's fine. No, fine. Okay, just, okay, I, I'm going to go now. And then I said, I can't stand this anymore. I told my wife, I'm going to take our daughter to a local play area, just right next to the restaurant. I'm just going to walk away, and we're just going to explore. And my wife comes back 15 minutes later and puts down this bag, the Shake Shack bag. And the look on her face just defines misery. And we take it out. We take the burgers out of the bag. And what fell out of the paper was not just cold, but it was misshapen. And it had no taste. And the bun was like broken bread. It was like crumbly broken bread. And the pickles were so thin, they, were, they weren't pickles. They just were like green reminders of where pickles go, like stains. And the cheese, let's not talk about it. It wasn't melted, but it was still rubbery. How'd that happen? And the burger itself. Oh my God, the burger itself. This is why I think somebody was messing with me. I was looking for Ashton Kusher. Am I on punked? Am I on punked right now? 
because I've heard about the Shake Shack for many years and I've heard how good it is. But the first bite of that burger, when my teeth bounced off the cheese and could barely make it through that patty, that tasteless patty, that wasn't even like brown. It just was a hue of gray because it was so old. It was lying out. You could tell this piece of meat was lying out at the pool all day, putting on sunblock, just chilling on a lounge chair. This piece of meat that they served me, this piece of absolute cow shit that they threw into a bun was such an embarrassment. And the chicken bites were probably frozen. It was just my, my daughter's too. She wouldn't even eat her grilled cheese. So add that on top of everything. And my wife brings it back. And yeah, they gave her a refund. And there's no great end to this story. But what is it? What is it about Shake Shack? What did I miss? Someone tell me. Do they usually serve a burger that's different than that? Is that the experience that anybody else has had? Because all of you listening have had Shake Shack, or most of you have had it, and you're probably like, I don't get it, Josh. I actually love that place, and I've had some delicious bites there. Then I think they were messing with me. I think that actually happened. I think those employees may have gotten together. They had a meeting earlier that day. They had a meeting, closed-door meeting, and said today, at 6.45 p.m., the first family that walks in from an internet order, looking so eager and also irritable. We're going to find the family that does an internet order and they arrive eager and they look irritated. We're going to drop the hammer on the bag. We're going to send that bag through the dark hallway. That's the term they use, the dark hallway. Everything else is up front. Everything else is probably being grilled and cooked up front, but then they have a dark hallway where this one employee, Glenn, his name's probably Glenn. He just knows what to do with it. He doesn't even wear a Shake Shack uniform. They just go, Glenn, we got a code B. And his alarm goes off. Oh, I got it. And Glenn completely fucks our night up. That's my Yelp review. I've never done a Yelp review when it comes to food, but there it is. Shake Shack. That's the exact opposite of. And this podcast is brought to you by Shake Shack. Make sure you get on down there and let them know that Josh was nauseous. Let them know that Josh was upset. Let them know that Josh is contemplating a petition to keep people away from that hellhole. I'm on a streak, just watching bad shows, bad movies, eating at bad restaurants. I need something good. Luckily, there's sports, but I need something good. The last movie I saw was so bad, it actually destroyed my love of acting. I started watching every scene and just thinking, whatever the actors are doing doesn't matter. The editing's good. The cinematography's fine. They have enough cameras for aerial shots. Transitions with good music. The movie score was just fine. They just churn out so many terrible movies. And they could go for dramatic. Dramatic. But the actors in that moment, they don't hear the movie score. They just have to recite from the script. their memorized lines from a script. And then what happens in post-production, that's when it becomes a movie. But these actors, it looks too easy. It looks way too easy. This movie we sat through is called Safety Not Guaranteed with Aubrey Plaza and Mark Duplass. Has anybody ever heard of it or seen it? Well, guess what? It's 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. That means good reviews. That means people are still falling for this bullshit. You know what a movie score can do? It could convince people that they're watching something that's better than it is. You can just have a meaningless conversation. Say a bunch of deep, intense, meaningless shit. But if the movie score is good and the quality of the camera is amazing and everybody 
who's on the staff is doing their part at a very high level. See, Hollywood is a machine. Most of the people are doing their work at a very high level. And I truly believe the lowest level of talent comes from the actual people that become the most famous. These are the people in the tuxedos at the Oscars. And we go, wow, weren't they amazing? No, everybody after the movie, as the credits are rolling, those are the amazing magicians that could turn that dog shit into something that looks Oscar worthy. That's how bad some of these movies I've seen are. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to prove it right now. I'm going to go to Spotify and just start playing movie score music and saying nothing. And I guarantee it'll sound better. Like I'm saying something. Let's try this. All right. Once again, I'm just going to Spotify, typing in movie score music. You'll see what I mean. And then I'll just say anything and it'll sound like it's something special. Picture any scene. I'll even create the scene for you. Find us now. Find us never. Find anything you can. But just don't discover what they wanted you to know. What they wanted you to see. Fine. I confess. I never found it. You'll never find it either. But what we're looking for might not exist without the pearl of wisdom planted by the great sea monster, Hyventilus. What? What was that? But the movie's called Hyventilus, and a lot of people are like, it was pretty good. All right, let's try another. She's not going with you. She's not going with you tonight. She's coming with me. I've told you, and I've told everybody in this village, if there's one way I'm leaving, it's on that road, and God damn it, I'm not going alone. She's coming with me. Cut to her. She's crying. Is she going to come with me? I don't know, but sounds like quite a love story. Let's keep going. Mm, that's intense. Where's this going? It's a battlefield? Maybe it is. Man, we didn't come here today. Maybe it's a football movie. We didn't practice all week and come here today to get our... <laughs> To get our jock straps turned around. To get our mouthpieces shoved in our skulls. We didn't come here today to look like a bunch of dipshits. No, when the scoreboard reveals the final score, we're going to prove to them and everybody here in this town that we're the best damn junior varsity football team around. Hmm. Probably shouldn't have gone sports. Let's see. Keep going. I'll have you know that the preparation we've made for this moment pales in comparison to anything that they have discovered. I'll have you know that if anybody on this ship does not want to sail further, then you get off right now. You pieces of shit. I hereby declare this to be a ship of heroes. And if you 
don't want to be a part of that, then you could suck my... No, never mind. Let's get off of that. All right, what do we got here? What do we got here? This is just Spotify movie score stuff. Actors saying nothing in a voice like that, but hey, we line up and say it's pretty good. Oh, that was pretty good. Oh, this one. Oh, this one sounds good. What's this one? Oh, this is, uh... Somebody was left at the altar. Wondering. Hey, I thought it was wedding time. Looking at his watch. Tear rolls down his cheek. His fiancée is not coming. What else? I'll tell you what. Not a day goes by. That I don't think about that cheeseburger that came off the grill. I hereby declare that to be the worst meal I've had. Alright, I think I've lost it. Let me find it again. And so the next morning, he got the newspaper from his driveway. He walked back to the comfy chair that he sat in oh so many days before. At that moment, he knew things would never be the same, but he had to put one foot in front of the other. That was kind of heavy. Oh, there's Titanic. Keep going. Montage, right? Montage. Now a couple of old lovers looking back on their days as young lovers prancing by the creek. You know I've always loved you. What? I've always loved you. What? She can't hear well. Montage. Earlier scenes of them as young lovers. And now they're old lovers. From the day I first laid eyes on you, I always knew I wanted to have hot, hot, intimate moments. You what? She doesn't hear much of it, but the audience is enthralled. I knew we would create a great family, Margaret. What's that? He's just brushing her hair out of her face by a waterfall. What? Alright. Let's uh, wrap this bad boy up. Let's wrap this shit up. I don't know what just happened. Do you? Me either. Uh, if you wanna... Let me just change the subject. If you wanna... If you wanna... See some quality kids music. Make sure you go to YouTube and subscribe. <laughs> this is the worst promotion. All day I was like, I'm gonna promote Isaac Zone's kids songs channel if you're a parent and you have young kids i gotta do this better but my wife is apparently a really talented graphic designer she would not agree to that she's too self-deprecating but i'm here to remind her she's good and isaac's good so we're making it happen we're youtubers now podcasters youtubers this is the future this is it but isaac my buddy he's been on the podcast officiated my wedding blah 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 is not nice it's just not a way to build somebody up. 
Like when you describe him, yeah, great guy. I've known him for years, blah, 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 blah. But Isaac, great guy, really good guitarist. He has a sweet voice, blah, blah, blah. He's now doing a kid's channel that you should subscribe to on YouTube. If you're a parent of young kids and you're sick of Blippy, fuck Blippy, right? Enough of that shit. Okay, we're done. Hey, Blips, you're ruining the country, just like that debate. But you want to see something good that you're loving? Yeah, go to Isaac Zones. That's I-S-A-A-C. Why two A's in that name, by the way? Isaac. Isaac Zones. Z-O-N-E-S. YouTube. I'll post the link somewhere. I don't even know what that means. I'll post the link somewhere. You're just listening to a podcast. And now you get roped into this. I'm sorry, but I think some of you are going to do it. Just subscribe, okay? This is my next profession. YouTube production. All right? All right, let's all go our separate ways for a while. Let's just lay low and embrace some of the good stuff. I love you. I mean that. Episode 110 is done. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>